of Yahweh. Coming before you, Father, to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to any that would have an ear to hear the spoken word, but to listen to the message of truth, Father. Listening, listening to your heart speak, Father. Seeking in your word the truth, the knowledge and wisdom that you give to us, Father. This opportunity that you bless me with, Father, give me an opportunity to yet again spend time with you share you with anyone with spiritual hearing to listen. So the Lord is pricking my heart as he usually does in his in his watch gently prodding so that I would come and spend time with him. He rouses me a little earlier this evening. But I'm here now and sharing now in a combination of spending time with my Father God and aching in my heart aching in my heart. And I hear some of the things that are being said in this agendic push and warfare that's going on in Israel and Palestine and those that claim to be with the Hamas. Declaring a holy war that this person calls upon Muslims all over the world, calls them to jihad. What does that mean? Well, that means that they're called to a holy war and that all Muslims are to go to battle against anyone who is not. We have a lot of those folks here. We have a lot of those folks are in the Philippines, a lot of those folks of uh, have colonies in Hawaii, everywhere. My question that I have is, I know that not all Muslims are what some would call heretics and the uh, jihadists, and they don't follow that because the true, the true lesson is that you forgive and you 
heal and you work on healing and it isn't just to kill and destroy everyone that is not believing the way you believe. I actually went to school with a number of Muslims and I had was and acquainted very closely with them and did not even know that they were until having dinner one evening at the house and I began to question some things that were happening at the dinner table that mom wasn't partaking in and she was American. And she married a Muslim man. And I went to school with this young man in elementary school or junior high school and sharing all this with you, there, there is a purpose and a point. But I never knew that he was a Muslim. Never knew. He didn't try to push that on me. And he didn't try to push his beliefs and, and his rules of faith on me. And he wasn't obnoxious. He wasn't forceful. He was actually very gentle, very kind, and very quiet. Even his father, who I had never met, and I, quite honestly, I was a little nervous when I got invited to his house. And then it was explained to me, they were very kind and very courteous. And just explained that I didn't have to follow what they were doing and the way that they were doing at the table, that I could go ahead and, and please to feel comfortable and sharing with them in my way. And offered that if I prayed over the food, that that would be fine. They were not offended. They were not angry that I was not praying to Allah. And they were actually very, very kind and compassionate to my sense of feelings. And they explained their position and their, their sense to me. So, and that's not the only experience like that. Now, granted, there are some that are not that way. They're very aggressive and very antagonistic and they get very forceful. Well, let's look back in Jesus' time, shall we? Jesus took unto his, under his wing and made him a disciple. And his name was? Simon, Simon the Zealot. Oh, who were these men? Well, they were a very, they were very zealous with God's law and Torah. They took it to the extreme, even going further than the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the members of the Sanhedrin, that they took it even further, that they would kill 
literally kill, assassinate anyone that stood in the way of God's law and the nation of Israel. They would kill them. And these were individuals that were saying that they were following God's law, the laws of Moses. Jesus took his ritualistic blessed dagger and threw it out in the Jordan River. He didn't want him to carry it. He forgave him and brought him in with the other disciples. Why am I speaking about this? Because we tend to do just what I shared from my reading earlier today. I shared this with you. We need to be cautious in how we view others and how we view ourselves through other people's eyes. This is very important, very important. We need to be observing what is around us with spiritual eyesight, hearing and listening with spiritual hearing. And unless you have spiritual discernment, which God does give to certain individuals, you are not going to be able to know. Without discernment, you are not going to be able to know what somebody's thinking about you simply by their look. Although there are many very foolhardy individuals and I ran into these yokels in high school and some in other walks that I was in, even in the military. These were supposed to be adults, and yet they sounded like schoolyard hooligans. Why are you looking at me like that? What's that supposed to mean? They were trying to figure out by a look what was going on in the mind and the heart of the person that looked at him the way that they were so offended by. Goodness gracious, really? Brothers and sisters, is that not what's going on in this world around us today? That very thing. It is. It is. The prayer is not that God take a side with the nation of Israel and fight against the Muslims and take up arms against all the Muslims. Strike for Jesus, strike for Jesus. Ah, march, march, march. Really? No, that's not what we are about. Heal. For Jesus, pray for the Lord's strength. Guide from the Lord. There's no marching in destruction. Why? Stop. If that's what you you have going on in you now, 
throw your face to the ground and beg forgiveness. You don't want to listen to me anymore. You don't want to listen to this. I don't care. I don't care. I've already shared that with you. I share it with you often, actually. You don't want to listen to this, <coughs> pardon me, this podcast anymore. Don't. You don't have to turn it on. You don't have to click on to the page when you see it on the network or on the platform. You don't have to. I don't care. It doesn't hurt my feelings. You understand me? Your validation is not what counts to me. Validation of my Lord, my God is what counts to me. So if you want to become offended by something that I share with you, if you want to be offended by the truth that comes from the Bible, the word of God, if you want to be offended by the fact that I say that we need to stand up and pray one for another and not just for one side, then be offended. Get your knickers all twisted up and sit uncomfortably. I don't care. I really, really don't. And not to be confrontational with you, but just telling you the facts. What matters to me is God's validation of what I share with you. And that is the only validation I care about. So for those theological wizards that think that they know more than I do and claim that they know more than I do and will profess that, well, you have a certificate that is signed by some earthly school and some earthly uh, president of the university or such as that. Mine is has a signature of the chancellor and vice chancellor. Hashim, my Lord, my God, Yeshua, my King, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, and Paracletos, my guidance counselor. I have three very powerful signatures, and that validation is all that matters to me. So you declare what you like. You understand what I'm saying now? You hear me? Got it? Get it? Good. What we need to remember, and I'm going back following the rule of faith, we're going back into the Old Testament. And we see, we can read a declaration, Joshua 1, actually starts in verse 6. One of the most famous verses, uh, 1 9, but in 1 6, be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Now, the Lord's talking to Moses. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right nor to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now, you know, the Joshua is taken, taken over from Moses. Uh, so, Lord is speaking to Moses or speaking to Joshua, I'm sorry. I think that's the second time I did that. He's speaking to Joshua to remind him that he spoke to Moses and he's speaking to him. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou shalt mayest observe to do according to, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. 
Have not I commanded thee? Book of instruction. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So instruction, and then why? Why does God instruct that? And then he tells you why. So now we're going to jump over here and we're going to see, we're going to take a, a couple little visits to the Old Testament, some different things that are seen. This is the story, and I've shared this before with you, about Rahab. Who is Rahab? Well, she was a prostitute in the city of Jericho, which in the days of old, Jericho was a powerful, powerful city, walled. And very strong, and they had a they had a strong army. <clears throat> so Joshua sent some spies to Jericho. They got in, and they went and found they found this. Harlot's house. Her name was Rahab. She was a prostitute. Why did they go there? Well, they went there because they knew that that would not be a regular trafficking, not like they're not like a public house or someplace that they would go for food or for drink, and that it was more like a private residence. <clears throat> but while they were there, the king mayor, governor, whatever. The leader of Jericho sent men to her house and told her in 2-2, and it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. So the king, somebody had reported back that they saw these strangers and they went to Rahab's house. So he sent his soldiers to her house to order her out. But she didn't. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, there came men unto me, but I was not whence they went. She didn't know where they went. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate. Cities in those days, they would shut the big main gate at night. I, I shared with you the um, some cities that are walled. They have the gap. They have the outer gate and the inner gate. Jericho, don't think it was that way. But it was becoming dark. Further reading in verse 5. And it came to pass at the time of shutting of the gate when it was dark. And the men went out. Whether the men went, I want not. She didn't know. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. If you gas it, you'll catch them. Further verse six. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. So this was laying out to dry and cure. They use it for thatch to, for the roof and other purposes, and she added up their drying. So she took them up there, 
There was a bed made and she covered them up and, and hid them. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as they which pursued after them were gone out, the gate was shut. So they took off after the spies because she said she didn't know where they were. Lied. Did she lie to the police? Yes, she did. And she said unto the men, <coughs> pardon me, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Now that, that right there is an interesting thing. Okay. Here is Rahab, a prostitute in the city of Jericho and her declaration to the spies that Joshua sent to them. I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Nothing was even done yet. Nothing had even happened yet. But she knew that the Lord had already given the land to them. And that your terror is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She knows that God is with them and they are so afraid of the nation of Israel. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. Og. Remember I shared that with you? He comes from the lineage of Goliath. Goliath, a giant. Further in verse 10, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. As soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. And that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours. If he utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window for her house was upon the town wall and she dwelt upon the wall. She told them, get, get thee to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned and afterward may you go your way. And the men said unto her, we will be blameless of thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread on the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household and come unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head and will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head if any hand be upon him. 
So what they're promising is Rahab saved them and she declared that God is powerful and told her that this is what you do. You mark your house so that we know when we come and you have your family with you, they'll be okay. But if you let them go out and wander around in the street and something happens to them, you can't fault us in that because we're telling you, we're giving you our promise that it's going to be taken care of. They could have just simply killed her because she was from Jericho and they were coming to fight. She could have sounded the alarm, but she didn't. Because she had knowledge of God. Now, I'm going to share something too with you. And this is in Joshua 5. I'm going to share with you in Joshua 5.13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay. Very simple answer, just like Jesus told us in the New Testament when he's teaching us, let your nays be nays and your yeas be yeas. Very simple. You don't have to be elaborate in any kind of answer to anything. Remember when he tells us if they take us and go to throw us in a prison, we don't have to study and rehearse what we're going to say. Just pray. We will be given utterance by the Holy Spirit. We'll deliver us and tell us what to say. Don't have to rehearse everything. So this person simply responded to Joshua, nay. Ah, now here comes the identifier. I've shared this with you before that an angelic messengers were sent from God. But any time that a prophet or anyone fell before them, the messenger told them, you don't kneel before me, only to the Lord. I am a messenger, I am a servant the same as you. You can find that throughout the scripture. However, this is something different. And I've shared this with you. And my perception is who this individual is, is not simply an angel. Further in verse 14, and he said, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place where thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. 
You take it for your interpretation. I'm telling you that this is the Lord. The Lord has done and appeared in the Old Testament physically several times. This is one of those several times. Not merely a messenger, not merely an angelic delivery, captain of the hosts of the Lord, Lord thy God. We also see in the book of Daniel, he shares with us when Nebuchadnezzar was sitting on this little mini throne that was by the open door of the furnace so that he could see them burning. I mean, that was a common practice. And remember when he leaned forward and he hollered at his counselors and he said, did we not throw three men into the furnace? Why then is there a fourth? And he is like unto the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar might have been had things shared by Daniel or Hananiah, Mishael, and Zariah. They could have been sharing with him. But where did the teaching of Jesus come in? We're talking about 700 years before the birth of Christ. So where did this come into Nebuchadnezzar's brain that this was the son of God? Like unto the son of God. He had seen Jesus before. He had been told what Jesus is supposed to look like. I think not. So, I share with you that this is that thing I've, I've talked to you about before. This is that thing that Jesus has about him called authority. Heavenly, spiritual, kingdom, imbibed authority. Endowed by our Heavenly Father. And I share with you Because you remember that when Jesus went and he had the individuals in the tombs, he had the demoniacs that were possessed by demons. And when Jesus, they didn't have any, there was no sounding of a shofar, no pageant trumpets, no parades, no beating of the drums, no clanging of the timbrels. None of that. Yet, when Jesus stopped before them, they threw themselves down before him 
And they declared knowledge to him before he even said anything. Jesus, thou son of God, we know who you are. Do you come to torment us or destroy us? The demons knew him and they recognized him for who he is, the son of God. Power and authority. And you may question as to why I'm sharing this. Well, just take a look around the world and everything that's going on. You have individuals that are wanting to destroy one another because of who they are or what they are believed to be. And remember what I shared with you. Beware of seeing yourself through other people's eyes. You practice doing that, then you compare yourself to those individuals. You compare yourself to their beliefs or their ways. Shouldn't be doing that. The only validation that matters comes from God, our Heavenly Father, our King, Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit, the guide for our footpaths. Lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. The only validation that matters or should matter. And yet there are individuals, and I have even heard within the body of Christ that are declaring, oh, those Muslims, how horrible, how horrendous, excuse me. What you just said is horrible and horrendous. How terrible that you would even say something like that, and yet you claim to be a Christian. You claim to be a child of God. You claim to be a believer. You claim, you claim, you claim. How dare you? How dare you? If you claim to be that, then you must pray for all men and women and children and countries. It doesn't matter if they live in Palestine. It doesn't matter where they live or where they're from. It doesn't matter what color their skin. Do you not see this agenda that's being proffered is not that of God and it has nothing to do with them trying to destroy the nation of Israel? Brothers and sisters, they've been trying to do that for over 2,000 years. Before Jesus was even born, they were trying to do that. You look at what happened. They put them into bondage within Egypt because they feared the nation of Israel. And yet we find here we had a harlot within the city of Jericho that told the spies that came said, oh man, the king and our army, they fear you because they know they know that God is with you. We will help you, but you just need to save my family. I was going to share a scripture with you, but a spirit just took me over here and showed me right across the page. Just took me to another one. Took my eyes right to it. 
Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That is the word of God. And I was going to go over here and share another scripture with you. But that came right to me. Holy Spirit took my eyes right to that. Be cautious, brothers and sisters, and I share that with you to share this. Be cautious, because not everyone that said that they are a Christian are a Christian. They are label heads, self-proclaimed, and not any way, shape, or form are they about the will of God or following the Holy Spirit or declaring the love of Jesus Christ. Not any way, shape, or form. They say terrible, despicable things about others. Brothers and sisters, I was in the armed forces of this country for a long time and I went to places that I should have been dead. I should be dead now. For some reason, God has seen fit. Like I shared with you that specific word that I was given when we were on quiet time. This is so powerful. And he allows me to share it with you again. All are called, but you are directed. I have need for you. Brothers and sisters, that's why I tell you, you can declare whatever you want to declare. You don't want to listen to his podcast anymore. You don't want to hear me speaking. I don't care. That right there is the golden seal of validation from God, my father. He has need for me. For what purpose? He hasn't shown me yet, except that I may be doing exactly that very thing now. I mean, I'm, I'm being blessed mightily by this, but this is very powerful. We do not have sovereignty. We do not have the authority to declare that some can hear what we say and some cannot. This is what Peter and Paul had an issue with. And the vision that Peter was given about those changes and those variances. And what did the Lord tell him? You cannot declare anything that I make. Nothing that I have created, nothing that I make, no one that I make. You have no authority to declare it unclean. That means that those that walk around this plane of existence declaring themselves to be, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I am. I sure do. I go to church on Sunday. You go to prayer meeting. Do you practice? Do you practice the presence of God? Do you sit in his hearness and just 
spend time with him. What was that you said about the Muslims? They all need to be what? Wow, that sure doesn't sound like something Jesus would say. This is why you know, if you notice some, some of you that have been following me for a while, pardon me, sorry, Father. Some of you that have been tuning in to God's podcasting for a while, notice several changes. First of all, I took my name off. I thought it was kind of neat, ring, rhymey sort of thing. So my name is gone because it's not mine. And then you notice that I have added WWJD. I gave a little bit of a oration on that. What would Jesus do? That was something that some years ago, when I was young, I think I was in junior high school when it first came out and started. What would Jesus do? And there was a big push for sharing and preaching and all that. And that was a big thing. And then it became so, it became so, um, so mundane. And it was just sort of one of those things. And then they had all these little trinkets and bracelets and all these things and leather key fobs, WWJD. And then they just started tossing all the stuff out. And somebody had found this whole box of stuff in a dumpster and all these little metal wristlet things, WWJD, people didn't even know what it meant. I do. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in this time? And if, if Jesus was right over there in between, if Jesus was walking in Gaza, and he does, Would, God, would Jesus be holding up the Israeli flag and leading the charge into the Gaza Strip and attacking the Palestinians? I don't think so. I don't believe so. Let me change what I just said. I know he would not. And I share this word because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All are deserving of being forgiven. All, and remember what the Bible tells us that all have and are given the opportunity and I share the word of God because all are given that chance. I do this because this is the will of my father. I'm gonna share a passage that comes out of the book of Matthew. And actually there's uh, another little different and I like Matthew's writing of it better. Remember that the, the disciples, they write differently because of their perception and they write, but I'm going to share something personally that I believe that Matthew, Matthew is special. 
Matthew is special because there were circumstances that went on with Matthew in his life that none, none of the other disciples even know about. Matthew is a tax collector. No one appreciated Matthew. The only ones that appreciated Matthew were the Romans who paid him handsomely for collecting and taking care of their books when he was but 13 years old. He was already making more money than his father and his uncle in combination. He had purchased a house. His house was full of clothing, was full of furnishings. Matthew did this. I think as a led by the Lord and, and later I think that he was able to understand this, but there was a purpose. But Matthew was special. And his perception of things is special. Matthew was also very intelligent. He spoke a number of languages. He was educated. He could write. He could read. And then you have some of the other disciples that constantly badgered him and made fun of him that could read and they understood Torah, but they couldn't figure out numbers. They had to go to Matthew and Thomas and uh, they came to the others who had trained, who had been to school. They hadn't been to school, but yet they found it okay to badger Matthew. I like Matthew. I like his writing. And he always had his notebook with him. He was writing down what Jesus was saying. The others would write it down later on, but Matthew tended to be that who was taking notes with Jesus as if Jesus was dictating it to him. So, saying that to say this, in Matthew chapter 8, we're going to go down to verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered to him and said, Lord, I am not worthy. I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. And I say to this man, go and he goeth, and to another come and he cometh, and to my servant do this and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed him, Verily, which means, hear this, listen to me. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. This centurion, a Roman soldier who is in charge of a hundred men. That's what the name centurion means. One hundred. He was a commander in the Roman army. He had authority. 
And he recognizes the authority that Jesus had. I've shared that with you. Jesus went hither and yon to the tombs. The demons knew his authority. Every time he encountered him, they knew his authority. Why comest thou to you, the son of God? What have we to do with thee? Have you come to destroy us? And he cast them out. He healed. Always healing. Always forgiving. So this is important to me because this shows difference, but no deference. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to share with you. So when you say that someone has deference, that you have many that exercise none. They just, they're very harsh. They're very, antagonistic. But this centurion came to Jesus as a man of authority. 100 troops that followed him and obeyed him when he told them. And let's backtrack here for just a moment because you remember that, or you must remember that their culture was different. When we're talking about when he said servant, you notice that he went to Jesus in caring for this servant, that they weren't beaten, they weren't kept, they weren't flogged and they weren't mistreated. They lived within the house. They lived under the same roof. They were fed, clothed, given an allowance to go to the market, not only to buy for the house, but to buy for themselves. They were treated quite well. So you have those that will seek to be offended by that word servant. That's okay. But back to the centurion. He came to Jesus with deference. What does that mean? Well, he was respectful. He was also submissive. And he yielded himself to the Lord's judgment. And he tried to sway Jesus from coming to his house because he knew that there would be those that would speak against him or talk about it. And it was happening anyway. So it didn't matter whether or not the centurion stopped him. That didn't matter. Because we know when we read the scriptures <clears throat> that that was being done anyway.
And he gave Jesus a courteous regard to his authority, knowing that all Jesus had to do was say it and it was so. So brothers and sisters, I share with you now, and the reason I've shared this with you and spoken to this is because we have this going on in this world around us now. We must realize and know and understand that this is not the agenda from any country leader, any presidential leader, congressional leader, committee leader. Brothers and sisters, this is a very dark agenda and it has nothing to do with anything on this plane of existence other than it's happening here. And the reason it's happening here is because the true enemy the prince of darkness, the prince of this earth, Lucifer, Satan, liar, accuser, whatever pseudonym you decide you're gonna use, that's who's driving us and driving us to be fearful so that we respond in fear rather than faith And I'll repeat this again, being fearfully driven, fearfully driven is not how or what we want to be. So brothers and sisters, I pray for your strength and your courage. Every day, my going out, my coming in, every day, every day. Be blessed.